Welcome to our online worship on this third Sunday after Trinity. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and also with you. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We have come together in the name of Christ to offer our praise and thanksgiving to hear and receive God's holy word, to pray for the needs of the world, and to seek the forgiveness of our sins, that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may give ourselves to the service of God. So we begin by singing hymn number 450, Jesus Calls Us Here to Meet Him. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the words of the Collect for this week, let us pray. Almighty God, you have broken the tyranny of sin, and have sent the Spirit of your Son into our hearts, 
whereby we call you Father. Give us grace to dedicate our freedom to your service, that we and all creation may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now in the silence of our own hearts, let us call to mind those times when we have failed to be as loving, as understanding and as forgiving as our Lord would have us be. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, help us to amend what we are, and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. And may the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins, and restore us in his image, to the praise and glory of his name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we listen to our first Bible reading. The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 23. Do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God, but you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we sing our next hymn, 817, Timeless Love, We Sing the Story. And this is a version of Psalm 89, which is the psalm set for today. Timeless love, we sing the story. 
Now we listen to our Gospel reading. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. Glory to you, O Lord. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May my words be in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This Sunday, in most dioceses as well as ours, would have been Ordination Sunday. This year, because of the pandemic, candidates will be temporarily licensed as lay ministers to allow them to start work in their curacy parishes while they await the time that ordinations can be safely held. So we hold them and at their parishes in our prayers. Traditionally, ordinations have happened at this time at Petertide, the Sunday closest to the feast of St Peter and St Paul as a reminder that those who are called to ordination are following in the steps of those first disciples who were commissioned and sent out by Jesus to preach the good news of God's kingdom. It's a reminder not only to those awaiting ordination, but to those ordained in the past, many of whom will have the anniversary of their ordination in their diaries sometime this week, as I do myself. And it should also be a reminder to all the baptised that Jesus' first disciples didn't go out wearing dog collars or with a certificate of ministerial training, and that the formal process which we call ordination these days is only one way in which God's people may be called to proclaim the kingdom. In our Gospel today, we hear another part of Jesus' speech of preparation to those he sent out, as he said, as sheep among wolves. And in it, Jesus says what I think is a very interesting thing, and the closer we look at it, I think, the more interesting it is. It's quite a short passage, and the structure and the basic message are quite clear, and very important. Jesus is saying that when someone welcomes someone that he, Jesus, has sent, it's as if they welcome Jesus himself. And he goes further to say that anyone who assists in the mission of those that God has called to proclaim the gospel, in effect gets counted as if they were proclaiming the gospel themselves. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Welcoming a prophet in the name of a prophet is an odd way to put it in English, but it seems to mean something along the lines of welcoming a prophet because they are a prophet, as opposed to just because they're a friend or, a ni- or because you're a nice, welcoming person. But the important point is that anyone who does this gets the same reward from God that the prophet themselves does. In other words, there's no hierarchy in God's reward system. There are no backbenchers and cabinet 
No stars and extras. No backstage crew with only a tiny mention at the end of the credits. It's equal billing and equal reward. No matter who you are or what your contribution to God's kingdom might be. God's grace is not only open to all, but is given as generously to those who play a minor supporting role as it is to those like St Peter and St Paul who serve the gospel in more obvious ways. This means that the man who famously let the young Billy Graham drive his truck just to get him to go to the revival meeting, where Billy Graham was eventually converted, counts the same with God as the famous evangelist himself. And by the same token, the church playgroup leader, who provoked my toddler into asking me what praying meant and got me wondering about God, gets equal credit for anything that happened as a result of my subsequent journey through ordination. So that's exciting enough and very important when we think about church life and how people's various gifts and talents, whether small or large, by worldly standards, come together when we meet as a church, supporting each other, whether in person or online. The Bible is quite clear that the Holy Spirit gives a whole variety of gifts, and that all of them are important, in fact vital, in building up the body of Christ, the church. So none of us should ever feel that our contributions are less important than those of people that, who perhaps are more obviously seen as the face of the church. But towards the end of the reading, I think it gets even more interesting. So far, the virtuous circle, as we might call it, is a nice tidy one. God sends a prophet. Someone welcomes the prophet. Therefore, that person is welcoming God. But now... If we read carefully, Jesus says something slightly different. Whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly, I tell you, Jesus says, none of these shall lose their reward. Some translations tidy this up by making it virtually the same structure as before. They say, whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because they are my disciple. It makes it come out as very similar to the saying about the prophet and also similar to another time that Jesus is recorded, recorded as speaking in this way in Mark's Gospel, where he does indeed speak of someone giving a cup of water to his disciples. But I don't like it here. It would mean that the little ones that Jesus is referring to are his disciples, which is not something that he ever does as far as I can see. Little ones, in the Bible, are always literal children, or else sometimes the poor and powerless. When Jesus uses the phrase in Mark's Gospel, he has actual children in front of him, and he takes them as an example. And when you think about it, the likelihood is that that's what he's doing here as well. Imagine, for a minute, any picture or film that you've ever seen of a Middle Eastern marketplace or village. Children are omnipresent. My Thai sister-in-law found that she struggled at first to know how to play with her children at home in the Western style, because in her culture, in the village where she was brought up, children are never at home playing with adults. The older ones take the younger ones and they go off all day with all the other village children, doing useful things or playing or hanging around, watching what the adults are doing. And so if I try to imagine... Jesus lecturing this band of rather worried-looking disciples 
prior to sending them off to preach the kingdom. If I imagine it in that sort of context, of course, there are bound to be interested children hanging around to watch. And so, as just as he does in Mark's Gospel, Jesus directs the disciples' attention towards them, these little ones, as an example. So I think in this last clause, Jesus is actually saying something subtly different from in the first one, and perhaps the difference is important. I think that when he says, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, he's saying, if in your name, as a result of something you disciples have said or done, someone gives a cup of cold water to a child or some other powerless, helpless person, then they will receive the same grace as you, as my disciples and messengers. I think that's important for two reasons. First, because, I don't know about you, but I think in the name of a prophet sounds like in the name of someone that I couldn't really actually aspire to be, one of God's special people, as it were, even if we're supposed to believe that God has no special people. Whereas in the name of a disciple, well, we're all disciples, all learners, which is what being a disciple means. And the fact that someone might be blessed or rewarded in our name underlines that we really are all in this together. And secondly, because drawing in the little ones breaks the circle of prophets, disciples, righteous people, all the people who are already on the inside. Otherwise, it seems to me, in church terms, we could very easily read all this as simply saying, supporting the vicar and the church wardens and the other active church people is just as important as being up front preaching. Which is true, but it reduces the gospel to something that happens in church, whether that church is a physical building or an online group. Whereas once you put a couple of thirsty children into the picture, you're looking outside that circle to all those whom Jesus yearned to shelter under his wing like a mother hen. You're saying that if one of us, us mere learners, who's in touch with the gospel, who by their baptism is sent out into the world by Jesus to share the news of God's kingdom, if we manage to share enough of it with someone else that they start in their turn behaving with kindness to the little ones of this world, then that counts with God. They're counted part of the kingdom, just as we are. It's a reminder that Jesus didn't come to start a religion or to set up a church. He came to draw the world into the kingdom of God. And our job as his disciples is to carry on making that happen, one cup of water at a time. Now we listen to our anthem as we reflect on our calling.
So let us say the creed together and remind ourselves what it is that we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So now let us share the peace together. We are the body of Christ. In one spirit we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. Let us offer one another a sign of peace, whether we can see each other or not. And now let us sing our next hymn, number 713, Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy.
So now let us pray. In the depths of my being, I become quiet and still. I wait for you, my God, source of my salvation. And so in a few moments of stillness, we bring our whole selves into the presence of God. Aware of our need for salvation in the complexities of our own lives and for salvation in the life of the world. And so we thank God for every sign of welcome we have received in our lives. Through family, neighbours, complete strangers. And in this difficult time, especially for those who have made us feel valued, even when our doors have had to be closed to each other. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Father, we bring before you all those who do not feel welcome within their communities. Those whose lack of money or work leaves them feeling inadequate. Especially those who live in the middle of affluence. Those who feel their skin colour counts against them. Those who escape to find a better life, only to discover they are unwelcome at their destination. We pray for them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for leadership which promotes unity and inclusion, which hears the hurt behind the anger, which seeks to protect the vulnerable. We pray, Lord, for wisdom for our own leaders, and particularly in this turbulent time, for restraint for Donald Trump. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Father, we thank you so much for our Mother Church, for the heart, the prayer, and all the welcome at her centre. Thank you for her compassion with the lonely, the awkward, the lost for her willingness to hold the pain of others. Bless Karen. Bless all those working in this benefice to keep the church alive and to make your love known. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray, Lord, for protection for all during this time we pray for an end to the power of the virus. And we spend a few moments of quiet to remember all those for whom life has become a great struggle. The sick, the frightened, the lonely.
we name them before God. Lord, please help us to stay alert to their needs. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lastly, we take a few moments to remember those who have passed through their new birth to eternal life, particularly remembering those who are grieving at this moment. Father, we give you thanks for all those whose memory we cherish. May your blessing rest upon each one and upon us as we are blessed by them. As you were before us at our life's beginning, be so again at our journey's end. As you were beside us at our soul's shaping, God be also at our journey's close. Merciful Father, Accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. We say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We sing hymn number 499, Lord, you give the Great Commission.
the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.